Welcome to this episode of Print Run. Uh, today is October 17th. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hi, Laura. Hi, everyone. We have a really fun show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about Laura's recent trip to a romance novel convention, so that'll get nice and... Uh, Steamy? <laughs> that's the word, yeah. Um, and we'll be talking about romance publishing and romance novels a little bit more um, throughout the rest of the show, too. Um, but first, we have some very exciting news for the show. It's perhaps my favorite news <laughs> I've ever gotten to share. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. So we have a lot of really wonderful listeners mm-hmm. here at Print Run. Um, and one of our listeners uh, just happened to, to, to offer to give Print Run something it's greatly missing. Mm-hmm. Which, ladies and gentlemen, is a gong. We've got a gong. Um, obviously, this was something we talked about in the last episode of like having for um, you know sound effects and various things like that. And someone was kind enough to send us one. Well, he had an extra one. So, <laughs> so this is a writer based in Texas. His name he is had Jared McKay. An extra gong. Uh, he had an extra tape, like desktop sized. Yeah, gong. it's it's ergonomic. It's perfect it's for the workplace. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to be introducing that next episode. And I'm really excited about it because every episode, one of us gets to control it. Yeah, we'll just trade it off. Um, And I don't think we need any real rules or to make it into any kind of structured thing. I assume that whoever has it will just sort of slap at it indiscriminately as we please. Which You is never a, know when the gong is coming. Which is a nice metaphor for the show <laughs> overall. <laughs> for what we're doing here. So. Uh, yeah, so basically we can't be trusted with a large percussive instruments, and we're doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'll be good. Yeah, um, so I'm really excited about that. I'm also really excited by the fact that we have two special episodes coming up in the month of November. Yes. So... Um, As you might know, if you've listened to the last episode of Print Run, we are doing very special episodes aimed at writers to help them in their querying and writing process. So we are doing a query show and we are doing a first pages show. Uh, And these are made out of real time critiques of submissions that you wonderful folks have sent in to printrunpodcast at gmail.com and we will go through them line by line anonymously so get ready for the writing information and the hot takes yeah no i mean i think it's gonna be you know it's like we were saying last show and we're gonna you know hammer it again here but like it's gonna be an episode that's geared specifically towards people who are writing and trying to query and work on their manuscripts and try to find a representation or a publisher or whatever it is uh, we want to help you guys, and we want to interact with you more. So if you send it to us uh, through the email address, we will talk about it on the show, and we'll make a whole episode out of giving query tips and giving um, all sorts of helpful little things we think will help strengthen your pitches to agents and publishers. Absolutely. So, so it's our goal to do one query show and one first pages show a month. Uh-huh. Um, November shows are free. After that, they will be available only to our Patreon supporters. Yeah. So we're going to give a, it'll be a sample this month or next month. A nice um, sample. Yeah. And if you like what you hear and we hope that you do and we think that you will, um, you know, just si- sign up on Patreon to, you know, help us pay our bills and we'll give you a query show in return. Absolutely. It's cheaper than the conference that we're going to be talking about later yes. in this episode. Yes, I'm very um, excited about that. So mark that. your calendars. November 3rd is our query show. November 17th is our first pages show. So normally our episodes drop on Tuesdays. We're still going to be doing our normal episodes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but we're dropping our special content on Thursdays. Yep. So if you know if you have something you want to submit, uh, send it to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Moving on. So we have really ex- we we're full of exciting news today, Eric. <laughs> well, this news this news isn't ours as much as it is the book worlds and Minnesota's. Or actually, frankly, it's not the it's not the book worlds, is it, Laura? It's the literature worlds, and that apparently doesn't mean just books. Um, so tell us what we're tell. They probably already know, but what are we talking about here? Bob Dylan. Yep. Native Minnesotan. <laughs> woot woot. Uh, friend of the podcast, as always. Bob Dylan just won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, nope. Yeah, uh, Bob Dylan doesn't have any books. <laughs> just <laughs> which, which you know, is is fine if we're taking a real nice, loose look at literature. But you know, book people aren't exactly. We're kind, we've got a little bit of an inferiority complex, I feel, as it relates to other. Um, other arts, you know, we're not the glitzy musicians. We're kind of the we're sad not the little, actors, right, right, right. So when they come in and sneak out our awards, we feel that are ours. Um, and I say ours as though I've won a Nobel Prize, <laughs> 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 as though it's something that I have some like stake in. Uh, <laughs> but if he hadn't won, it would have been me. But yeah, mark yeah. mark our words, it would have been Eric Kane. But so so Bob Dylan won, and that. Um, I think the point here is that that perhaps opens up what literature means. Yeah. So uh, I took an informal poll uh-huh. on the Twitter machine. I received 154 votes on this poll. So a nice scientific sample. Yeah, that'll definitely pass muster that'll, in all scientific papers. Yep, yeah, yep. This it's is not good. biased at all. No, no, this is good. So 54 per 52, I can read. Um <laughs> of the people that responded to my questions on this poll asked, but what about books, though? 50, so, yeah. 52%. So. Most people think that this should have gone to a a book person. Yeah, it should have gone to a book person. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I feel like it should be open up a little bit beyond that, but. Um, the possibilities for who could win the award now that it's open are very exciting. Yeah, and what's really exciting about the Nobel Prize instead of like the Man Booker or the Pulitzer is that the 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 Nobel Prize for literature is for an entire body of work. Right. It's not for a specific thing. So that means that <laughs> So who's our nomination? Oh we my have, gosh. We have a nomination. We in do. Mind. <laughs> we have a nomination for next year. Uh-huh. Uh Joyce Carol Oates. Yeah, we want her to win because of her tweets. <laughs> and for also her books, yeah. but mostly well, no, no, the no, 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 I don't know. But her books are fine. Um, but the tweets, we want the cat pictures, the political takes, um, the various other little rants she goes on. We think that that deserves the Nobel Prize in literature. So let's let's get that going. Yeah. Um, we also we also have a sleeper, mm-hmm. uh, a, a sleeper yeah, yeah, yeah. guest. Who we got? Uh, the thousand monkeys sitting at the thousand <laughs> typewriters for a thousand years who are eventually yeah, writing yeah, we Shakespeare. Could, we can give them the award too, and they don't even have to be done yet. We could just kind of like, um, good job, monkey. Yeah, just like right in the middle, right in the middle of the errors as they're like almost typing Hamlet and getting it wrong at the very end, just based on variability and occurrence and infinity. Um, that'll be good. They can have the award too. Yeah. So just in case Joyce doesn't get it, give it to the monkeys. So that's our that's our official stance on a musician winning the Nobel Prize <laughs> in literature. I know that's why you people come here. Um, but 
Laura. Yes. You had an adventure recently, I... and that gets us to our main topic today, which is romance novels. Yes. So tell us about where you were. Okay, so this weekend, from Friday to uh, 4 a.m. on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, I was at the Emerald City Writers Convention. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is a very polished term for what I feel this is. Yeah. Well, yeah. it it was an, a writer's convention in the Emerald City, which is Seattle, not what Frank Albaum wrote about. I mean, it is. Who wrote? Wait, someone wrote that the Emerald City was something else? Who? The Wizard, the Wizard of Oz, the Emerald oh. City. Yeah, sorry. Oh, well, I don't know that. But was, yeah. that was that too deep of a <laughs> literature cut for you? <laughs> this is the episode we learned that I didn't know who wrote The Wizard of Oz, I guess. Um, oh, well, we'll edit that out uh, to make me sound much smarter no, we than won't. I am. <laughs> no, we won't. Um, but continue. Yeah, so Seattle is apparently called the Emerald City. Yeah, everybody knows um, that. See, she's dumb too. but apparently i mean like what i think it should probably be known for is like the city that has really good salmon and is also very windy yeah i lost my umbrella in the great quest for salmon actually that's a good point uh here on print run we're going to rename seattle the quote-unquote the windy city um the windy fishy city Chicago won't be mad. They'll be fine. No. Yeah, so I was on a great quest for salmon, and my umbrella gave out in the noble quest. Mm -hmm. The salmon was achieved. So that was really great. Um, But perhaps even more exciting than the fish uh, was was the convention itself, Eric. Yep. So I don't know if you've ever been to a convention aimed for romance writers. Obviously, I have not, no. So, so this convention is one of one of the biggest RWA sponsored conventions in the country. Yeah. So, RWA is Romance Writers of America. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's a very very large, very active, very imaginative yeah. group for writers, um, and so they they put on this three day event where they brought in New York Times and USA Today bestselling authors. They had workshops. They had breakout sessions. They had keynotes. They had all sorts of things, Mm -hmm. including cover models. Yeah, so this was the part when you were telling me about this earlier that I was the most excited about. So romance novels typically have, not even typically, always, Always. have some bods on the covers, right? Yeah. And you're telling me that the bods were just wandering around? They were there. They had – so apparently – the hotel didn't like for them to be naked, <laughs> and they, so they were wearing uh, they were wearing clothing. Yeah, uh, they were wearing white t-shirts with cut off like cut off sleeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. So you gotta yeah, do that. so the sleevery was right. was abolished. Right. Um, <laughs> oh my God. We might edit that out too. Uh, so, so there were no sleeves. Um, you know, there was there was like the sweet country guy. Mm-hmm. There. Oh, so was... were they in costume? No, they were just like they just had a look. So they. So how many of them did they walk around in a pack? Were they no, rivals? No, no, they were, were all they... separate. They were all like they all had these little tables staked out oh, where they, they had... were like taking pictures oh, and like man. signing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was my favorite one. Uh-huh. Was like the country boy, the one who had like the really really light colored jeans and he had his t-shirt like tucked in yeah, his yeah jeans. like he just got off the tractor but was also looking like he's some sort of model yeah absolutely yeah. so like we 
we we chatted for a little bit. Of course and that was you fun. did. Yeah. Um, then there was like the kind of like older like getting to be Silver Fox with the kilt. Oh, hold on. So now the kilt is that a genre of romance novel? Yes. Like, there's oh my god, this, yes, the kilt dude. That's yes, something Scottish. We need. Like yeah. Scottish historicals are actually <laughs> a thing right now. And this is the guy. So he's and a little older too. Yeah, he's a little bit older. Great. Which I'm not mad at. Like he was also perhaps the biggest, like uh-huh. the most built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um apparently I heard I heard a secondhand story from somebody and she was talking to one of the cover models the day before mm-hmm. and he was just talking about himself. Uh, and about how nobody had paid attention to him until he gained 60 pounds, <laughs> 60 pounds of muscle. This guy, <laughs> so he put on 60 pounds of muscle and for his trouble now he is the model for Scottish historical romance novels. Yes. And you know what? You laugh at this, I, but like we're book people who just sit in a chair all day I was gonna and say, like I'm talk only about really hot Because people. I've done everything wrong. <laughs> like, like I've made all my decisions incorrectly. Um, so these dudes wandered around. Yeah. Oh, we didn't get booths. to the tattooed guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so there were a bunch of like hipstery tattoo guys with like undercuts and uh-huh. like neck tattoos yeah. and stuff. So I had a like at least 2.5 serious conversations about how we like neck tattoos in romance covers versus neck tattoos in real life. Are there, uh, so yeah, can, I'm actually interested in this dichotomy, so please continue. Uh, <laughs> usually it was that we preferred them on book covers rather so, than in real life. So why do you like them on book? Are there, first of all, are there a lot of neck tats on romance novel covers? Oh yeah. What kind? Oh, yeah. The bad boy kind. The bad boy kind. That's also another genre. So these it's, dudes the bad are like, boy <laughs> kind. It, the bad boy contemporary romance is larger, uh-huh. a larger subset than the Scottish historical. Okay, so give me like the biggest kinds of romance novels here. We've got Scottish historical. We've got the. So the when we say bad boy, are we talking like motorcycles? Are we talking? We're like talking what? motorcycles. We're talking about just like uh, can't mercs. be tamed until we're, he yeah, is. Yeah, we're talking about mercs. We're talking about mechanics. We're talking about like. <laughs> Like, like thieves. We're talking about Ooh. bad boy millionaires. Like the oh. blue, yeah. Like oh. we're talking, we're talking bad. Wow. We're talking about musicians, <laughs> especially drummers. And these dudes have, so what kind of neck tats are we talking here? Um, you know, actually, the ones that typically make it onto romance covers most often are the tribal type ones. <laughs> Course. Which <laughs> which are very out of date, Cons- which is you surprising because tattoos apparently can be out of date even though they're permanent. Yeah. Even though they're permanent. Well, of course they can. It's a tribal tat. Like what were you thinking know. when you got it, let alone how you feel years later? Who knows? So, yeah. So all abs are always in season. Well, there's some wisdom for you. The abs are always in season. <laughs> but these dudes were so were they walking around in the in the gallery? They were walking around and they had shirts on. They, you they, said they did have allowed, shirts the on. The hotel policy said they couldn't just be like, I don't know. I think it was because they were too hot. I mean, there like wasn't food being served. I mean, there was there was a there was a cash bar. <laughs> what does food have to do with any of I this? I think there's some <laughs> sort of like law about oh, clothing oh, and like oh, a you're food saying service it was a law. Health, you're saying that these cover models represented a health code violation. <laughs> Yes. Yes, I am. With okay, so 
Yeah, that's really good. Uh, okay. But you ended up talking to one. I, or you, I, you took yes. a picture with one. Yes, I took a yeah. picture with one. And, it, and he was just such a sport. Like, you know, some of the cover models want to pretend that they're, like, too cool to, like, right. be there to be ogled at, which right. is literally why they were flown in. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. and they agreed to it. Like, they signed a contract. Like, it's a thing. Like, they were, like, going to be subject of female gaze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so some of them were just, like, n- too cool for school. So this guy, I, I told him, I was like, I gotta. I need to take some pictures of some cover models because my fiance wants me to. Mm-hmm. Because that's the kind of relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I said, okay, like I just want to take a picture of you. Like I don't need, you know, a picture of me because, like, you know, we see me all the time. Like I just wanted a picture of him. And he goes, okay, like what kind of pose do you want? And then he like did like he did like a like a bicep flex. <laughs> you should say Laura and in then, the studio right now is doing the poses. <laughs> She's doing. He's doing the bicep flex. He did like the bicep flex, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. he like did the thing where oh, he the, hit like the tries? He, where, yeah, yeah. So like he put, like good. put the arms together yeah. in front yep. of it in front yep. of his crotch, and he yep. like like yep. you know like did the shoulder the thing. Pecs? Right. Um, That's good. And then and then but then I was taking a picture. There was so there were a couple of people that you know like I knew from the, this conference, and I I was taking a picture for one of them, and for some reason, uh, when I was taking a picture of him with his arm around this woman. Mm-hmm. His arms just looked so big, Eric. They just looked so big. And so I actually stopped because, you know, I assumed that he was like flexing or something when while he was doing that, you know, the arm that was down. <laughs> and so I asked him and he looked at me like I was crazy. And I realized that no one has ever like asked him why his arms are so big because they would just like assume. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Are these cover models skipping leg day? I think they might be. Oh, see, because, then because I am that I am not interested. <laughs> <laughs> because all of the pictures are just of their like V because yeah, they yeah, all yeah. have V's. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The V's up. Right. So yeah. So there was there were lots of cover models. Well, um, if any one of these cover models wants to come on the show and defend their quads, we can talk. I mean, I don't skip leg day. <laughs> Who would really? Cover models. Yeah. The ones whose like pecs matter more than their so, legs. So the the convention though. Who this is my this is my question to you and the answer is obviously romance writers but talk to me about who goes to a romance convention like what are the people like because I have a specific like image in my head but I'd love for you to illuminate well Eric they're women <laughs> yeah so so you know this this is a RWA sponsored conference. Mm-hmm. So all of the the programming is specifically geared towards people who write romance and erotica. Yeah. What that means is that you've got a lot of people at this conference who are just like celebrating being women writing fiction about like people falling in love and getting naughty. Yep. Um so there's this really strange dichotomy of being there for a professional reason and having people in like business yeah, casual, business casual like, and and talking about erections. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, and that's always a thing because yeah. like some of the people they they write this stuff and they're at this public event and they're mm-hmm. learning things and they're in this community and yeah. and you know there is no community that's stronger than the romance writer community. Yeah. So they're here, and then they're still really, really uncomfortable about so talking that's, about. That's interesting to yeah. me because how could they be? 
why would they be uncomfortable? Because they are claiming to stake their, you know, they want to write, you know, when they write these things, and especially if they're going to conventions to write these things, they're trying to broadcast these thoughts. Well, they're they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable about, they're not uncomfortable about love. They're uncomfortable about the sex. Well, right. But I feel like that's like the crux of these books, right? Like we're here. Well, maybe you can correct me. I mean, I think it, it's the best part, right? But, like, but I feel, and I feel like you're probably in the majority. Like, are people reading romance novels for reasons not other than the sex? But like, if the sex was bad or non-existent, would anyone pick up the romance? Oh, novel? absolutely. That's really? another subgenre. Is is like the clean or like sweet romance? Oh. So there's so there's a continuum cool. Let's hold on. of it's sexiness. Called, it's called it's called a sweet romance. Yes. Oh, what a what a so there's a continuum. Heard that one before. Yeah. So (laughs) so there's sweet, which is you know like there's lots of like feelings and there's sexual tension, but like really it's about it's about romance, Right, right? Right. And then you hit the steam scale. Oh. So steamy. Is this so? The steam scale. Is this a thing you made up? Or no, is this, no, no, no. This is like, a thing. Like, this is, this is, this like is a, how people... This is like the Geiger counter. Like, this is like a real... <laughs> <laughs> this was a 7.2. I was going to say, this is like a real thing. Yeah, no, The no, Richter no. So, scale So this is this romance. is a real thing, yeah. Eric. The steam so, count. I'm delighted to know this so, exists. Please so tell me So there about. are... Okay, so if you're a listener out there and you don't read romance, that's fine. Um, but what you need to know is romance very much like like mysteries are extremely trope driven, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, it's it's kind of like watching a rom com or an action movie. You yeah, know, you there's always know you always know what's coming. You know right. there's gonna be, you know, with a rom com, you know there's always gonna be like that fifteen minute period at the like the last two thirds where like somebody ma- makes a mistake and yep. then everybody's really sad and then and then like there's a big grand gesture and then everyone gets happy again. And the, you know, it's people know what to expect tempo wise yeah. and, yeah. and 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 you know, content wise. So given that structure, um, there are there's language to explain, you know, how the writer deals with that structure. Uh So sometimes and, you know, even some romance publishers will define certain imprints as books having X number of pages of sex. Oh, which is yeah, which is like actually a thing. (laughs) So so the steam level is like on the very, very like not like sex side like you know if there's any sex it's closed door but if yeah but most of the time there isn't yeah it's the very sweet stuff it's about like you know the kind of like summer love like you know Mm -hmm. and then it goes all the way you know like a little bit steamy like media like high heat level the steam and the heat level are the same thing (laughs) i love that this terminology exists because i think it's it's I mean it's funny to hear for the first time but it's also it is interesting because you do as people who are buying and selling romance novels and writing them and pitching them you need ways to like specifically talk about this exactly. stuff so so I yeah. I like as a as an agent I skew more towards high heat because I represent so what, yeah, what does high heat mean So be, so I represent both romance and erotica oh. So that means that I skew a lot more towards erotic romance mm-hmm. than like sweet romance So you're so, hoping they they get it going Yeah yeah So so the the erotic romance is a specific subgenre term for the steamiest a story can be <laughs> while still having the plot driven by re, like emotions rather than sex So the difference between romance and erotica is that erotica the plot is driven by sex in okay. romance, the plot is driven by emotions. Oh. 
I know. It's very, it's very technical. And when you can combine them all, it just turns into to a mess of emotion and sex and Well, there's plot. always both. Right. There's always both on to some extent. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just kind of what what leads the plot. Because like even in erotica, people still fall in love and live happily ever after. Because all of these books, spoiler alert, and with them being together at the end. Really? Every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. If it doesn't end that way, it's women's fiction. Oh. Oh, there's something for a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in that. Yep. So what why though? The so let's HEA, unpack it a little bit. The happily ever after. It's called the HEA. <laughs> I'm just blowing your no, mind right now. No, this is great. This is great. I mean, so why so the happily ever after is a necessary component. Absolutely. To a romance novel. It's the necessary component. And if it's not, then you're getting into some sort of, like, if you were to defy that expectation, then it's, it's something not, else. It doesn't count. Like, I wouldn't be able to sell it. Wow. Yeah. Like, so if you're picking up a romance novel, you're not, you're not doing it to be surprised. Absolutely In not. any way. Absolutely not. You're doing it to feel the emotions that you're expecting to feel at the given moment. Yep. And the yep. sex you're expecting at certain spots. Yep. And so something really interesting happens because, you know, I'd say that probably a fair amount of the bulk of romance books are part of a series. Right. So what that means is it's not the series of the same characters. But it's the same situation, right? Or the same historical moment. Yeah. So right. what it is, is it's, so it's always, you know, heroine A and hero A uh-huh. fall in love right. in the first book. Yeah. There's side character B who becomes either the hero or the heroine in the second book. Right. So there's always, so there's sort of a connection. So it's either that it's like, you know, a group of friends or siblings or something. Yeah. So there's, yeah. So there's always kind of a continuum where, where you, you know, in the second book, you kind of get glimpses of how the first people are really happy Mm -hmm. in the first book. Um, But, you know, everybody gets their chance in the sun. Right. So so back to back to this convention that you were at. Um, you told me you took some in-person pitches. I did. Yeah. I took three and a half hours of five-minute pitches. Okay, so to me what that sounds like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is a perfect stranger in business casual attire coming yep. up to you. You're probably, you know, you're kind of a captive audience sitting at a table or something. Yep. And they come up to you. And just start telling you about the naughty bits of the book they've written. Do I have that about right? Not really. So one thing that's also really refreshing for a romance conference or people pitching romance in general is because you have such a strong trope. Right. Um, You know, we know that's going to happen. And so there's not a lot of opportunity for people to, like, fuck up the pitch. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because, like, even the people who were doing this for their first time were just so good at it. Yeah, because it's, there's so many guideposts. Exactly. So here's how it goes. Right. Eric. Pitch me a romance novel, please. So the heroine is x like what does she do in her life either Mm -hmm. she's just left a boyfriend or she's in a dead-end job or she's got a dead-end boyfriend or she's starting a business or she you know something yeah so she's got some sort of situation that puts her um and depending on what the trope is being used in this book yeah um it either puts her in a situation with this hero or it puts her as an antagonist to this hero okay 
So my favorite trope is enemies to lovers. (laughs) You know, like a good, like much ado about nothing, like Twelfth Night, you know, whatever. And so like give me – so like an example of these two being enemies, like are we talking like rival families? Are we talking like this is the – you know, they're fighting know. for the yeah. same job. Right, right, right. One yeah. of them is automatically like ousting the other one for some sort of inheritance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. one of them is, you know, put in charge of the other one for some reason. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of power. I was going to say that issues. sounds like you could probably do a lot with that. Absolutely. So, so they're, they have to do that. Yeah. And then they start to fall for each other and then something happens and then, um, they have to decide whether love is worth it. That's mm. what it is. Yeah, but that's what it is. But it sounds like it sounds like they don't have to decide because the decision's already made. They're in love. They're well, I mean, love. the characters right, decide. Right, right. We know sure. what they're going to choose. Sure. But sure. you know how they get from point A to point B is is given. Yeah. How they get from point B, which is the kind of the thing going wrong, right. to the happily ever after. You know, sometimes that's a little bit more exciting than than you know than we think. But it's 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 really interesting because there were a lot of um, there were a lot of editors here, and so we were talking, and there are certain things that just aren't allowed anymore. So that's that's actually I I want to hear that, but I want to steer it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's so many tropes here. It sounds like, and there's so many expectations, and it sounds like this is a readership that really doesn't like it when you deviate from those expectations, and because they've picked up the book for a certain reason and they want those expectations met. What then, within that very strict framework, makes a good and bad romance pitch? You know, like what? How do you? What are you evaluating it on when there's already really there's already really an answer key? Like if someone just checks all the boxes that are apparently widely known and available. Is that a good romance book? Or what are you looking at in terms of, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah, what would I make do. you request pages? What would make you want to sign one romance novel over the other if they both hit all the established prerequisite yeah. so, things? So my answer is not the answer that everyone's going to have. <clears throat> sure. My answer of what makes me request something is a little bit of a tweak on what's typical so like for instance i really like stories about romance stories i should i should say about women in male spaces so like give me a heroine who's brewing beer (laughs) give me a heroine who is the secret billionaire you know instead of the man like give me um you know give me the heroine who who is a drag racer right you know like give me something kind of interesting right um, also, you know, like, it, honestly, it really just comes down to the writing, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I was talking specifically with one editor, um, and she was talking about how she just can't take any more small town cupcake shops. <laughs> I love it. That's like, such a specific thing that she's gotten so it's many specific, times. specific, but it's not a specific. A small town cupcake shop is Absolutely. a thing. Wow. Absolutely. So, wow. you know, the small town cupcake shop just doesn't doesn't fly anymore because they just they just have too much. We've of it. had too many cupcake shops in, in the small towns. <laughs> in like if you give specifically one, in small towns, specifically in small towns. Wow. Um, why do people gravitate toward that? Like, why is the cupcake shop in tiny little whatever USA? You have busy bodies uh-huh. in tiny little town USA uh-huh. and you have fun things to do with frosting. 
Oh, well, there you go. You've got a woman that works with her hands, but it's also very feminine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, no, I hear what you're saying. So it also sounds like with a small town, you could introduce some sort of element of everybody knowing each other in exactly. the town. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, in the busy bodies are where exciting things happen. Right, right, you right. know, because yeah. everybody's always got a past. Everybody's yeah. got something going yeah. on. Yeah, the sound um, <laughs> As far as, you know, and, and, and but really, really what it comes down to is voice and uh-huh. writing because yeah. there's... There's, there is room f- to be creative and to be innovative with these books, but it's not to the extent of like, you know, David Foster Wallace. Well, sure. You know, it's 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 nothing that large. It's always just like creating really wonderful, believable Disney style characters. Well, it's like any. It that sounds you go like for. yeah. No, it sounds like it's any good bit of genre fiction in that it looks at a set of expectations and tropes that they have to adhere to and figure out variations and differences and ways to play with those expectations a little bit um, that kind of set it apart while also honoring all the things exactly. a reader who picks up these books So it's wants. that balance that makes yeah. the book really good. But yeah. there are certain things that no matter how good the book <laughs> is, I'm always going to say no. Yeah, so that, that's, that leads us to my next question for you, which is what is in – your like romance novel reject pile because I can imagine that that's a really colorful list of things. It mostly <laughs> has to do with penises. Oh, okay, yeah. So what do we do? <laughs> what are these? What are the? What are these penises up to that have you so you know saying no? Uh, when penises are described as velvet wrapped steel. <laughs> Is velvet, that a thing that happens more than once? This, totally is a, this is a description. Velvet wrapped steel. But oh here's God. the thing, folks, about yeah. velvet. Velvet is well, it's, fuzzy. It's fuzzy, yeah. Like I okay, so I have velvet on my skirt right now. Right, right. You right. don't want your genitals to feel like this. Like that means you should go to a doctor. Yep. Um, so that's that's just kind of a no because it means that somebody's being really careless with their descriptions. Oh man. Um the same thing, you know, is if if there's, you know, assuming that everything else is going really great. And we get to the sex scene, and there's just like wildly impossible anatomic. Yeah, I was going to say, happening. I bet that happens a lot. You get a lot of sex that just like it not, doesn't make not sense. Happen. It just doesn't make sense, and it's like, well, that's not possible. Yeah, like you know how you always watch like movies, and if there's like a really passionate sex scene, like yeah. you know they're like tumbling around, and right, one right, person's right. on top of the other person, right, right, right. and then they like never have to like stop and reposition themselves. <laughs> that's not a thing. Yeah, that is not a thing. Um, you know, and like, I'm always looking, you know, particularly I'm always looking for the very human things in the Disney storybook ending. Yeah. And if it's, you know, if everybody always looks perfect in the morning and has great, you know, great, unawkward, whatever, like then that I'm not, I'm not as interested in that. You know, I want, I want these people to, to come across as a little bit more human than perhaps they do in some situations. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't want any Mary Sue's. But my my biggest and perhaps my most favorite right. no is when authors and the to be fair these are far and away women writers uh-huh. they talk about women like they're cats oh oh that's interesting yeah so yeah, and as a more. cat hater that's <laughs> terrible for you yeah so tell me more about how women are cats in romance novels um lots of like mewling. <laughs> Like a kitten. Yeah, a lot of... Like, lots of, like, rubbing uh, themselves on something. Right, right, right. You know, like, lots of, like, 
You know, like think of like how a cat behaves when it's trying to be friendly. Yeah. That's how women are described. In bad romance novels. In bad romance novels. Like Hmm. a woman doesn't mule. (laughs) They don't go mule. Like that's not a thing that they do. Right. Um so so that's that's just kind of like one of my one of my favorite things. But so one thing that I'm a fan of every year though, Eric. Yeah. Is something that some sort of website online, what is it? It's uh, literaryreview.co.uk. Yeah. They do an award called the Bad Sex and Fiction Award. Yeah. And so what this is. And this gets out, if I understand this correctly, this gets out of the romance genre. Oh, this yes. This is like literary so, fiction. So yeah. this, and so this year, it's happened since 1993. So this award is like honors an author who has an outstandingly bad scene of sexual description in a good novel. Typically these are, you know, literary fiction novels. Right. So my question is to you is, you know, like sex and love and romance happen outside of romance novels. Of course, yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about women mewling and anatomical possibilities, <laughs> but you also read yeah. books with right. love and sex in them. Right. I so do. my question to you is what makes it good and what makes it bad for you? And why are so many of these bad enough to warrant an award that's been going for almost 25 years? <laughs> well, for me, I don't know if I've ever had, I don't know that I've ever worked on a book or even read a book that I would say, this is really, really good, but the sex scene is no good. So I don't, like, I'm really? not, I don't think I'm ever editing or, you know, representing a book that would qualify for this list. But I, what I will say, and what sounds like something that romance novels really get right compared to their far more pretentious counterparts in the literary world is they're not they're not shy of you know there's the simple fact of not being shy about sex you know they're going to write it and they're going to write it as though it's meant to be there like you get a lot of it deserves to be right, there right exactly you get a lot of literary fiction where you know the story's going along and then you get to the you know the sex part and it just completely fades into like really terrible metaphor and you don't actually see any bodies anywhere. You know what I mean? It's like suddenly it's all just like this really strange abstract of like sound and um, imagery and like everyone's like having childhood memories of various things. It's very bizarre. Um, and so really what I think happens in the bad in terms of bad sex and literary fiction is the sex just disappears and gets replaced with I don't know, this vapid nothingness because people who write literary fiction are like uh, giggling, shut yeah. rolling together in a giggling snowball of full figured copulation, <laughs> screaming and shouting as they playfully bit and pulled each other in a dangerous and clamorous roller coaster coil. That is not hot. I'm only halfway through the sentence. This, this no, that's is... the other thing. Is that's the other thing? Is they never <laughs> like is there such a prudishness to it? They never want to write it in a way that would actually evoke sexual feeling. You know, it ends up you end up getting words like copulation in there, which is ridiculous (laughs) because this is a book. This is um, the list of the lost, which is Morrissey's first novel. Like there's no reason that Morrissey shouldn't be able to write about fucking. Right. Like there's just not a reason. Yeah, it's 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 really strange because it's often and this is something we're going to talk about at the end of the show. um, Sex scenes are either the best written parts of novels or the worst written parts. And. They're usually the worst when the author doesn't view the sex. They view it as just like a plot point that needs to happen, you know, similar to like the character getting from, you know, their apartment to their car. 
you know what I mean? Just like a, <laughs> they just like, need to yeah, like just like a logistical thing, but they're not quite comfortable enough, just not showing it that they feel like they're gonna get edgy and show the sex scene, and then they just do it like you're saying, kind of half baked and. Nothing really gets said, and there's no. The sentences are very long. Right, and the, and the other the other thing with with literary fiction, sex, is that you need, like, there's you know you can't. Sex doesn't just exist for sex's sake, right? In literary fiction, it has to be there because you're showing something about these characters beyond just the sex, like something about the sex and the way these two characters are interacting, or the way they're thinking about themselves during it is complicated and worth showing, you know? So that's when you get these, where sex kind of becomes just like whatever other kind of scene, and you end up getting these bits where these characters are kind of having these internal monologues about themselves and their own insecurities, and it's like, this is also irritating. It's all about yourself, but it's not about the right. relationship, which yeah, I feel like that, romance gets really right. I is think that romance it's very gets much that a, really right, yeah. and I think that never, I don't think that happens much, and I think sex more often than not Actually, this is this is a good. This is something that I do feel in terms of widespread submissions that I get. Sex is really often used to talk about the male protagonist's insecurities. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's it's like the thing that you know he does and then has to wonder whether it went well or has to wonder you know I don't know you know all these things that are just kind of designed to make the main character seem troubled. Mm. And it's like we've just shown it to like look at how difficult yeah, it like, is to be a myth, like a like a young white yeah, yeah, yeah. male right having sex like woe is me um, <laughs> it's that that happens a lot um, but in terms in terms of the disconnection of of sex and romance I feel like n- very little if any fiction gets kind of the the romance thing right with without sex. So you yeah. and I were no, talking I, a little I bit earlier that. today. I agree with that assessment, yeah. We were talking a little bit earlier today about what our ideal romances would be <laughs> yeah. when sex yeah, we is off the table. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I was I was thinking that, you know, I was, yeah, we were sitting there trying to decide what the what my favorite romance novel tropes would be and I'm like, I don't know. It sounds kind of nice to just like have a romance novel where the characters make a bunch of pasta and then eat it and then decide they're sleepy and like watch TV and pass out. You know? that's, that's what we did. That's yeah. what I did like, yesterday. That's my, like, like true romance yeah, yeah. is your. It, so like I would love, I want to see like the, almost the anti-romance novel where all the characters are just like having really mundane lives. Um, because do you, know, the, yeah. do you know what my true romance yeah, yeah, is yeah. right now? Yeah. Is your fiance mastering your podcast on a Monday <laughs> night yeah. while he watches last week tonight because right. he just loves you so much? Right, right. And then, Which and actually happens. Shout out to Nick. Thanks, uh, Nick. Thanks um, for providing us with our wonderful microphones, but also making us sound like not idiots. Yeah. Woot. Um, yeah. So. That kind of gets us to, you know, the end of our show. And we want to do, like we always do every week, we want to do a right tip. You know, we want to do um, something to kind of help with your writing if you're working on something. And we want to keep it certainly sex and romance themed um, this time around. So tell me, tell me what this tip is, Eric. Yeah. So one thing that happens a lot in beginning drafts of novels is a ton of 
stage direction in the middle of scenes that just doesn't mean anything. You know, and I, I've tweeted about this a little bit, but you know, words like nodding and grinning and smiling and shrugging and all these various uh, things that just don't mean anything that get thrown in as dialogue tags and get thrown in as, you know, everyone's always like patting each other on the shoulder or like <laughs> sighing. Sighing is a big one. You, and I feel like touching anyone, somebody's face. Right, exactly. Just all these little things that just seem completely unnatural and empty in the middle of an actual scene between two human beings that get thrown in because people think they need something there. And one thing I find so interesting about this very obvious flaw when you read it, it just sounds so grating when like the character has grinned like five times in the same scene I've know? never grinned that much <laughs> I've never grinned that much in my life um, but when you get people writing sex all that stuff falls away which is so great and that's that was kind of my point earlier about how um, sometimes you know for drafts that are a little bit rough the sex scenes are the best written parts because the writer is actually thinking more and more about how the bodies are interacting in space and they've made that their focus. And so all this stupid extra action that doesn't mean anything, they suddenly instinctually realize, yeah, that doesn't belong. And so I'm going to talk about these two bodies in space in a more organic way, in a way where it actually makes sense how they're interacting because it's crucial to the scene. And so my point here is that when you're thinking like that for your sex scenes, think about bodies and space for all your other scenes too. make all your scenes like your sex scenes in that, <laughs> in that way like when you've got two people just kind of standing in a room think about how their bodies interact and I think if you start working from that perspective you'll get a rid of you'll get rid of a lot of this kind of empty dialogue tags a lot of this stupid gesture that doesn't actually mean anything you'll be able to cut that away and add in other sensory detail which I think makes a lot of sense and comes really naturally to people when they're writing about sex but less so when they're writing about conversation. So or, pretend your characters are boning. At all times. At just all sex, times. Always. Just, and your writing will definitely improve. That is such a good tip, yeah. Eric. I am so excited about that. And, you know, I don't think we can beat that. So I think we should just probably close off it. the show. Let's do it. Once again, I'd like you to I'd like to thank you so much for joining us in our very blue episode this week. <laughs> Please join us next week for our special Halloween episode because well, we've decided it's going to be our Halloween episode and you're going to have to stay tuned to figure out what that means. I'm going to have to stay tuned to figure out what that means. I have no <laughs> idea what we're doing yet, but we're going to do something spooky. Spooky. Maybe maybe it'll be our horror stories or something. I don't know. But remember to submit your first pages and queries to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>